Hi everyone, I'm really excited to get into today's interview, but before we get started, we just want to do a quick shout out to our sponsors who make this show possible, Mobility Engineering and Williams OT. This show takes time and money to put together, so we want to say a big thanks to the sponsors for helping us bring you this podcast. All right, so today we have Sean Bragg from Permaville joining us. G'day, Sean. How are you? Can we start by asking you to introduce yourself by telling us a bit about your job, your role within Permaville, and then maybe a little bit more about Permaville? Yeah, no, not a problem. So, yeah, my name's Sean Bragg from um, at the little old Adelaide. Um, I'm the Territory Manager for uh, South Australia, Northern Territory, and a little place we call Mildura. Um, so my job is primarily to uh, help with education of products and, um, you know, supporting our dealers out there with our, our products and also our end users. Um, yeah, so I've been with Permaville now for probably about uh, two years, um, but I've actually been in the, uh, in the health industry for, uh, let's just say, about 30-odd years, so, um, which is, uh, yeah, a considerable uh, period of time. Um, coming straight out of school and, and straight into the industry doing seating, wheelchairs and orthotics and prosthetics. So uh, that's a bit of my background. Um, so, yeah, and as I said, uh, Permaville themselves, quite a diverse range of products uh, from our, our power products, our Permaville power products through to our manual wheelchairs, which is our Tylite range of products. Uh, Prigeo is something we've just uh, we've, we've acquired in the last 12 to 18 months. Um, also, we have got coming Panthera, which is another wheelchair range. And we also got our seating range, which is, of course, Roho. Um, we distribute Dreamline. We have smart drives. Um, so we have PAD products. So, yeah, quite a, quite a various amount of products that we do have in our portfolio now and always continuing to grow. So, yeah. That's pretty, pretty full on. I mean, Permobil is um, one of the largest, if not the largest, wheelchair companies yeah. in the world, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah, they are. We're, as I said, we're based in um, uh, head offices in Sweden. Um, and then we have sort of manufacturing plants within uh, the USA and also within China itself. Um, and as I said, we, as I said, we're, we're, we're going, you know, bigger and bigger to a lot of more, um, you know, European and uh, also within the Asia yeah. uh, areas is where we're really growing our products bases at this time. So which is good. Um, yeah no well, we're talking we're talking to you know, one of the leading companies here but what we want to do is we want to talk to you about manual wheelchair options today uh, yep. we've spoken to some experts before about power wheelchairs i'm sure we could talk to you about power <laughs> wheelchairs and tie downs and head restraints yeah. and all kinds of stuff like that for uh people that want to be in a van for being a passenger in a van in their yeah. in their wheelchair uh, in their power wheelchair, but we want to specifically talk to you today about what options there are for the manual wheelchair users yeah. and what things to consider when we're talking about not just getting yourself mobile in your wheelchair, but then taking that extra step and really thinking about what impact will that have on my life if I yeah. want to drive as well. So yeah. there's a couple of things that we we really want to discuss in regards to getting the wheelchair in and out of the car and yes. um i've got a bunch of questions for you i think ali's got a bunch of questions for you as well but yeah. one of the uh things that we really want to uh talk about first of all is from your point of view what should people be considering in a manual wheelchair if they want to be in the driver's seat i guess the the 
I guess the, there's been a bit of a change in the market these days. Um, traditionally, we've gone for sort of like a rigid frame chair um, or we've gone to a, a traditional folding chair, I'll call it traditional, which is sort of like your, your hospital-based type of chair. Um, this day and age now, we're getting a bit of a hybrid of these sort of chairs, which are making the chairs a lot lighter um, and a little bit more easy in the folding mechanism. Uh, to be able to fold the chair. So if you're going to put it on a, on a, on a roof hoist or if we're going to be putting it behind, behind the, 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 uh, the driver's seat or the passenger seat, they're mm -hmm. able to compact down a little bit more. Um, we are also looking at a lot of different materials. Um, you know, traditionally, uh, I remember the first chairs I used to build and all that were made out of mild steel. You know, yeah. we're now <laughs> going into alum, aluminium, titanium. You know, um, and even carbon fibre. So we're really sort of like, um, you know, we're getting a lot more lighter materials. Um, plus, the chairs are also coming stronger with using those lighter materials as well. So that's that's probably the big thing that we find um, is is people to look at is to look at the materials that they they want to use, the lightness of the chair, but also the rigidity within the chair um, that they're going to be using. So yeah. yeah. Can I ask, which is the next uh, one of the next points around this, is um, what is the big uh, big difference between folding and fixed frame um, when seated? You know, like like basically, what why is there a big lean towards fixed frame traditionally, and now the folding is coming in? Yeah, generally the the biggest thing is is with with um, rigid rigid chairs is is the the actual impact on the shoulders um, is that with when when you've got a folding chair you've still got a little bit of um uh, how can i say it, twist or torque within the chair yeah, itself play yeah. yeah so when they're going forward they're sort of like you know every time you, you sort of like go forward you'll find that there will be a little bit of flex in the frame yeah so uh, where, more pressure which, yeah so it puts more pressure um does take a little bit more effort to push um where as i said a rigid frame it is it is um it is easier on the shoulders. It is easier pushing forward. Um, you get that uh, less inertia, and it, it's, it's quite a nice. Um, uh, it, it is a real difference if you if definitely if if uh, people out there is is try both both frames to see what's going to suit them. But generally, we're finding now more people are pushing towards more of the rigid frames. You're also finding that some of the rigid frames now are folding down a little bit more with their backrests and 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 that type of thing, which uh, can help get them into vehicles as well yeah traditionally the uh static frame the the fixed frames are a bit lighter is that right just because of the components yeah, and all those sort right. of things less right. parts and less like you know mechanisms yeah well that's the thing is it's like a a, a fixed frame you, you're looking around about four or five kilos um and then where you're looking at so like a a folding frame um you're going to be you know seven eight yeah. even up to 10 11 kilos so you know, people think that's not much, but it is, you know, when you sort of like got to put these in, into the vehicle and that type of thing, um, mm -hmm. that, that sort of weight reduction is, is, is key in, uh, you know, and, and it's giving you a, a stronger chair. And then, as I said, we're going into the area now where we're getting a lot of power add-ons. Mm -hmm. um, so a rigid frame is more acceptable to power add-ons than what a, than what a folding frame is. So it's getting a, a lot of diversity out of that one chair as well which helps. So if, yeah, we, they are, if they are driving um, and they have to transfer out of the wheelchair into the um, driver's position and yeah. you've got a fixed frame chair, um, yeah. 
loading it into the vehicle, um, what kind of, well, what are people doing with that? How are they loading them in? Yeah, well, that's where I guess the, the interesting thing is, is there, um, as I said, there is a bit more compacting down, um, you know, of the backrest, taking the wheels off, that type of thing. But once you sort of like you break them down, it actually is quite, quite light. Um, and, you know, uh, I've seen some very active users that, you know, they're, they're picking these up, you know, and, and twisting around and, and putting them into the back of the, you know, the back of the car with 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 quite ease you know um which which is quite good the only problem is as i said if you've got top loading boxes and all that that's where people still want to have the folding chair down chairs because you don't want to be having your your chair you know sitting up on above yeah know. and a lot of those that, that's why i was asking a lot of those um like well for example roof mounting um there's the wimo and the chair topper and i don't know if there's anything else um, but they're the two popular ones um yeah you, you basically have to have a folding frame you can't Correct. have um, a fixed frame so it kind of limits you and then um there is another option which we've um spoken about with the driver on one of the podcasts here which i think there's another one as well the abby loader and also the robot um, yep. they can work which comes out of the boot but it takes up a fair bit of space in your boot Correct. Um, and then um and i think i think that's that those are really the only options there's there is some options um but this is what i'm actually interested so one thing i i, I do want to i'm excited to speak to you after you uh, said and i'll give you a quick little shameless plug that i think that um people should reach out to you for any kind of advice because if you've been working in this industry on the coalface for 30 plus years you probably know everything about everything so um so so uh so people should, uh, should you know like like you've probably seen it all you know what i mean so, yeah yeah he's so, talked so, you up the, he's talked you up now sean no pressure yeah i know that's yeah, really yeah. Good. so look you would have seen it all you know i guarantee 30 years uh, you, you you know you, he's not an idiot so um but one of the things i'm uh, i'm interested is one of the things that's happening i saw in europe um is the back seat of cars um like little hatchbacks and things they can kind of it normally folds, opens out that way, but they can change it to a sliding door. And this yeah. little rail kind of pushes your frame out from the back seat. Um, yeah. Would that be something that you think would be popular here? Um, oh. or is too many people taking up the space? I'm just interested in kind of like the end users, what their environment looks like. I think that would be something that would be, uh, I'd be investigating more myself, yeah. you know, because I, I think that would be something, a, a great alternative um, especially with the, especially with the fixed frames, because I know, as I said, like you're saying earlier before, um, a lot of people are having to go the folding frames just because of the mechanisms that are available currently at the moment for for loading them in, into cars. Yeah. So if if we could, we could have something, because um, as I said, most of your high end users are going to be in in rigid frames. Yeah. Um, you know, so and we're talking people that are on their third or fourth chair. You know, um, they've, they've gone to a, uh, a titanium or a carbon fibre derivative uh, chair. You know, so we're talking, you know, so we've got, we've got people that want to also take care of the chairs yeah. and making sure that they're loading them in the cars, you know, because we're talking ten to $15,000 chairs that, that we, yeah. we, we're really going to try and get more care of, making sure that they're in the, in the view. And I'm not saying that people don't take care of their chairs. Mm. You know, they, they treat it like it's part of them, which is, which is, 
totally understandable. Um, but yeah, I think definitely looking at different ways of loading him into the into a vehicle um, and something like that, I think would be yeah, I'd be fairly keen to to have a look at myself. To be honest, yeah, I was interested to see if you think it would be popular because I, one of the things which I've noticed, and even within our podcast, the um, there's this kind of you know consistent persistence. Um, well, not, not sorry, persistence, uh, consistent story around, you know, long-term use of the rigid frame and, you know, the transfer yeah. over your body and disassembling it and so on. And, and I've seen it in action many times. Um, and whilst people get used to it, it's, it's not, it's not a pretty environment, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not something that, you know, it's not that easy. People mm. struggle with it, you know, um, they're, they're yeah. trying to balance their core and carry things across. And, you know, whilst, and as you said, you've got a 10, $15,000 chair, no matter how much care you take, you're going to be knocking it around, and you know. Correct. So, so if you could protect it in some way, um, and and have that extra load, that, that would be really good. And I think over time, people kind of push themselves. Well, I guess I had a personal experience with this last week. I um, I went to a um, I I go and play a poker at a pub on Tuesday nights, <laughs> and um, so I'll be going tonight as well. And uh, one of the guys that comes there is in a wheelchair and he um, gave me a lift home last night and he's an older guy. And, um, and I've been hassling him to come and try some products and I watched him transfer and put everything in. And I was looking at him going, you know, this probably would have been easy for you 20 years ago, but this is not easy for you now. And you're really pushing yourself. And I don't think you can see um, the damage that you're actually doing right now. Um, so it was really interesting, I guess. And I wonder how much of that is happening. Oh, definitely. I, I think, um, you know, um, I, I definitely think that it's, a, it's an area that needs to take, you know, we need to look at a, a lot more. Um, and it's something that I guess the dealers have to consider uh, more when they're looking at with scripting of these chairs as well, you know, to making sure that, you know, um, we do, you know, you do have sometimes that people will just get very narrow and go, this is what we need. And it's like, well, okay, let's look at all the bases, you know, go and have a look and see how they're transferring in and out of their vehicle, you know, before you start scripting the chair, you know, making sure you've got that home. And, and look, I, I, I say most of our guys that, that, that do do our scripting of our chairs, they go through that sort of, you know, um, way of doing things because that's what we try to base ourselves on. You know, we're really fixed on that end user um, philosophy with our company. So we want to make sure that all our dealers are doing that as well and making sure that, you know, if if people are going out there and, you know, wanting to, to get a new chair, let's have a look how we how we get it into the car. What's going to be more practical? Because as I said, there's a, so much variations in chairs now. Um, you know, I've shown Brad the new Ego chair, which is like a, mm. oh. it looks like a rigid chair, but it folds up and it's just... You know, so the traditional just, the traditional yeah. frame is an X that goes downwards. This one's got a really tiny X that go. Well, it's not even an X, but it's right. it's, it's underneath the seat and it's uh, horizontal rather than vertical, and it's just smaller components. And it's just it's you haven't got as much hanging down underneath the chair. the The frame just appears to be a whole lot more solid for the for the self propelling aspects of it all. Um, I, I'm actually really in love with this chair for things like what's behind Ali's head. If you're watching this on YouTube, the chair topper, the, uh, the, to get it up onto the roof, uh, but even to save a little bit of uh, room to, to get into the back of the car with a R11 yes. robot or an Abbey loader as well, yes. um, with a folding frame, 
it, it, there appears to be that the uh, folding frames are getting more rigid. They, they've, they're getting closer to the rigid frames, but we do know that, I mean, I'm not a wheelchair user and none of us are, but we do know that those rigid frames are, are the go-to for yeah. the lightweight, easy to propel and so forth. So we need to really consider the, the end user when they're younger in life, they've got the shoulder strength, but Ali and I, you've mentioned it for your client, Ali, but we we get it all the time. And even Tim Maloney, who uh, has been on this uh, podcast, mentioned that his shoulders are te- deteriorating over time mm-hmm. in regards to years of years of basketball and sport and being pushed out of his chair and landing with his mm-hmm. arms out and um and also, but also that that loading in that's really getting difficult yes. uh, now. So it might be a rigid frame early on in life, and then you might want to consider yeah. the folding frames later on for for other lifters and components to help get it in. And that's where I think going forward, I think it's how can I say in a way probably quite exciting, you know, mm-hmm. that we're getting these sort of things to sort of like uh, you know these different variances with our chairs um, that we can hopefully help you know um you know help these people with with going on further because as i said our shoulders aren't aren't built for that continuous you know pushing and and all that so you know and then you're twisting and turning to get things into a car and or a vehicle um so the the less we can impact on that load on their shoulders and and their lower back and and so forth and and they're twisting and turning i think the better we're going to go forward with this yeah. We've we've mentioned it on this podcast a lot of times that a lot of OTs, and I'm going to put my hand up as an OT, <laughs> uh, and I'm not saying that all OTs are like this, but we we tend to be risk averse. We like to make sure that the risk is taken out of things, and we we future forecast injuries to the body. Uh, and a good OT will look at the potential injury of somebody reaching outside of mm. their car into their you know their far reach and lifting with the, the shoulder girdle, the biceps, triceps, doing a lot of lifting, and then the whole uh, internal, external rotation across the body to get a frame in. Quite often, the left hand's hanging onto the steering wheel because the torso is not as strong, depending on what level of, of injury uh, mm. there is with a spinal yeah. cord injury. So quite yeah. often, it is a, a one-handed lift. I'm doing all kinds of actions. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll you'll see me waving my arms around. Uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, just imagine me uh, looking a bit like a bird at the moment. Um, but lifting the lifting the wheelchair up from outside of the vehicle is is extending the body uh, out yeah. to its extremities and then trying to lift with a basically an extended arm. Quite often, a lot of leaning happens with a lot of hanging on with the the left arm, and then it's a bicep curl. Um, mm-hmm. And we we there is the tendency to scratch the wheelchair on the edge of the car. There is the tendency to scratch the wheelchair plus the car as we go past the steering wheel uh, with that chair. A lot of twisting of the torso to take wheels off. And, and yeah. folding and taking down, taking off the cushion. I don't think other than a lifter, there doesn't seem to be many other solutions at the moment other than making the chair lighter, Sean. Well, that's, I think that's the, that's the thing. And, and also I think one of the things that you're talking about then with like just the scratching and, and, you know, the damage to the chair that can happen, this also needs to be thought about when you're selecting your materials. You know, we can go to a carbon fibre chair which 
you know, we've got a carbon fibre chair that's four kilos. That's all up, right? The problem is, is carbon fibre chair, uh, carbon fibre doesn't like to be knocked and banged and clanged and that sort of thing. So that may be, as I said, beautiful chair, but, uh, but depending on how they're loading it into the vehicle may not be appropriate because the long-term effects on that chair are going to be um, detrimental. So where you may just go to a titanium chair, okay, you're going to probably be, let's say probably a kilo heavier, but uh, the same thing, it's going to be very um, acceptable more for the, the banging and, and the clanging so of, of it going into the, into the vehicle. So definitely I think, you know, I, I think we're going to get to a stage where the chairs are going to be at their lightest point. I know that um, there's a Panthera chair, which is about 2.4 kilos. Oh, wow. um, okay. I haven't seen it yet, um, but that's supposed to be one of the lightest in the world, but, on the same thing, I don't know how strong that is and how it breaks down, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. I think we're getting to the stage now with our technology and that with our chairs, uh, have, as I said, having these hybrid chairs, which is probably what I'm excited about, mm. you know, in, in, sort of like in all my years, you know, you've always had the traditional folding and then you've had your rigid, you know, um, to sort of like have something that is a hybrid. So our ego... Um, and our advanced uh, techno advanced chair. So we've got a couple and definitely there'll be more coming out. Um, I think, and the, the other makes and models are doing very similar. Um, I think that is, is where we're going to be going. And then, yeah, hopefully, as I said, with a little bit more um, looking at different hoist arrangements and so forth, I definitely think that's going to help the end user going down the track. I, I, you've mentioned it a little bit before. It's exciting times for all of that kind of stuff, but it's a really exciting future for the add-ons, the power assist add-ons as well. Correct. Um, I, there's just more and more things coming out um, from the, the motorbike type front wheel to uh, e-motion type wheels to smart drives on the back. If we uh, just concentrate on that for a little bit, quite often yep. we've got to do that from the driver's seat, adding those yep. on yep. Uh, to the car. Oh, sorry, from the car, adding it onto yep. the wheelchair. Can we talk about some of the pros? We're talking about the pros and cons between static and, and folding frames and the hybrid options, but can we talk about some of those um electronic add-ons that people are, are using more and more now to help save those shoulders while they're out and about and communicate uh, going through the community what type of things do we need to consider for some of these power add-ons and, and what options are out there available for people sean yeah well i think the the the, the first one you've touched base on is the the front wheel drive add-ons um which are you know they've been fairly popular they've been around for a little while now um finding the the weight of them they would probably be something that people would use um from home you know like if they wanted to go around to the shops which aren't too far away or mm -hmm. or that type of thing very rarely would i see them probably putting them into a vehicle because you're looking at some of them are going to be weighing 15 to to 17 kilos those batteries yeah. are really heavy in that front you know, wheel they're, they're right. pretty significant Yep. And, you know, um, for, for anybody, and I'll say anybody really, to put, be putting them into a vehicle is going to be quite heavy. Yeah. Um, so that's always something to keep in consideration. And, like, you know, we've got uh, end users that sort of like may have a big property and they sort of have this set up in the front, you know, on the front 
porch so they can just clip into it and then go around the the property or you know they go down to the local shops those type of things that's where your front end drives are going to be coming um your 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 mid-wheel drives um you know there's a lot of different types of mid-wheel drives i guess the big thing is to consider the storage um is is check with your manufacturer about the storage because some due to the sensors and that that they have on the wheels they're mm -hmm. not allowed to be laying flat yeah this, this is something that we've come across is that oh, i've got these e-motion wheels we know that the, the yeah. chair topper behind uh ali's head there if you're watching this on youtube uh takes the wheelchair up and yeah. stores it in sideways but a lot of yeah. these e-motion mid-wheel drive options yeah, they they're not allowed to be stored on their side for any length of time, yeah. and that is something to really strongly consider. Correct, and that's so. As I said, they're all they're all a great option. Uh, don't get me wrong, but yeah, just look at the you know speak with your your dealer, and you know really sort of as I said, we want to we want to go through that whole uh, scenario of getting them up on you know onto your lifter and and this sort of thing. How long can they be left on their side? All that type of thing. Um, you know, and then ease of charging, you know, um, you know, when, when, when we can charge it, that type of thing. Um, so they're the sort of things, but as I said, like everything with technology at the moment, there's always some new things coming around always the corner. Improving. You know, yeah. there's, there's, you know, um, there's ones with lighter wheels, you know, you've got some, that got seven kilo wheels. We're getting some coming down to about five, five and a half kilo wheels, you know, mm -hmm. um, and then they have incorporated batteries. So they're not having battery packs and, and that type of thing. So there's sort of like all the little things to, to look at with a, um, with, with a, with your drives. Um, it's also just while you're talking about weight, while you gather that thought, the R11 robot and the Abbey loader that bring it out and around down to the front uh, driver's yeah, yeah. position, they've got weight limits to them as well. And if you've yeah, yeah. got your wheelchair with the heavy e-motion type wheels, um, then that that can yeah, they, they might not work. When you when you said um, electric wheels and chair topper. Uh, I cringed because you yeah. can't you can't put that in the chair topper. Like basically, ninety percent of those electric add-ons will make your vehicle in uh, unable to be loaded. Um, right. Yeah. So so that that's the reality uh, from a modification point of view. I can tell you that is that the the loaders for manual wheelchairs are made for manual wheelchairs with nothing added on. Mm. If you yeah. put a set of electric wheels on it, you can't use a manual loading device for a manual wheelchair anymore. You have to use it something for an electric wheelchair that's because it becomes an electric wheelchair and so everything that's on the market generally has only like 12 13 kilo limits and those wheels themselves are like 10 kilos some of them you know so yeah um, so generally speaking once you electrify a vehicle you can't use manual loading devices from the experience that i've seen anyway very very rare can you but um generally speaking yeah you, you just can't so so if you're if you're getting out of your driver's seat and into your into your manual wheelchair then sean the the next real option is the is the smart drive type of scenario the yeah the extra jockey wheel out the back do you want yeah, to talk that's about, the thing about that i've seen most commonly on on vehicle mods where people yeah. do that um and they're getting in and out of the vehicles what about what about um driving from the manual wheelchair i, I was wondering if you could cover a little bit of that um because you can i guess keep those devices you know if you've got e-motion wheels you can keep that and you drive from the wheelchair but it's obviously going to be a different vehicle um yeah. how how much do you get involved in driving with a manual wheelchair and what kind of stuff do you um 
people need to consider in that respect so there's there's two questions there one can talk to us a little bit more about the smart drive and then two let's get into how to drive from a manual wheelchair okay so if i go like the smart drive which is as i said that's a your rear power add-on uh device um it's about six six point nine about seven kilos um so it's actually quite easily to um to to manually put on um, as I said, we've now got a lot of different uh, ways of actually running this device from your smartwatch, e.g. an Apple watch or a, or a, or a dedicated watch through to a, um, an actual controller, which is like a twist controller um, that we can use. Find it very, uh, a lot of users find it quite good. The fact of that they'll just have it in its holder that they'll have it sort of like sitting in the boot. So depending on what they're actually going to be doing that day is whether they'll actively put it on the chair or take it or, or, or not have it on the chair mm-hmm. uh, available to go on to rigid or, um, or, or um, folding chairs. Um, yeah, it's quite a nice handy little device. The best thing too people like about it is it is um, you can fly with the device. So you can take it into your um, carry-on and uh, actually, um, we have uh, certificates and all that for you to, to show the airline, but it actually mm-hmm. does come under their battery limit. So mm-hmm. you can actually take it on your flights when you're going. So we, we have a lot of people I've got, I think I've got, I've got a client at the moment, I think he's in Malta and he's traveling around Europe and all that. And he's got his smart drive with him. And uh, yeah, he's um, yeah, having uh, makes it makes it so much easier for travel. So that's the other thing to consider is with any of your power add-ons, is, mm-hmm. is is the fact of what am I going to do with it? Where am I going to go with it? And also the chair itself. Because if you start um, putting these power add-ons, you may need to strengthen the chair up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have, um, you know, there's some devices that clamp onto the backrest that then, um, which which power off your, pa- uh, your wheels. Um, now, at the end of the day, you've then got to have a strengthened backrest. So now we're just putting more weight on the frame. Yeah, yeah you know? making it harder to load into the front seat I just, of the car. I just want to point out, this is why I said you need to contact Sean for yeah. uh, <laughs> advice because I guarantee you not many OTs or modifiers or anyone other than people like Sean who have been on the coalface for 30 years would know this kind of information. And mm-hmm. I hear of so many people getting stuck with these little tidbits that they've not thought about. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, um, just being able to roll this stuff off the cuff is is what um, where the magic is, uh, mate. Yeah. So I think people uh, could really benefit from this information and save themselves a lot of time just from knowing that, hey, if I do this, that's going to be the implication. If I do that, that's going to be the implication with the product because many people don't think about that. And I'm sure you get that on a daily basis where they're like, oh, crap, mate. Sorry, didn't think about that. Didn't think about yeah. that. Didn't think about that. So, and um, I, yeah. And I think that's where it is because we're actually in a, uh, how can I say it? I think we're in an interesting time at the moment because really um, for many years we have, I say the black and the white as far as like we'd have power or we'd have manual chair. Yeah. Now we've got that grey area in between where we're grabbing a manual chair and we're sort of putting a bit of power onto it. So, and that's where I said all those considerations, you need to sort of like go, hey, look, I'm going to put this on. How's that going to affect the chair? You know, um, if I put this power add-on there, is it going to make the chair the same 
as if it was just the manual chair itself or mm -hmm. is it going to change the full characteristics of that chair yeah. which you probably don't want it to do because you may not use that you may only use the power add-on 50 percent of the time or yeah. you know if i'm going down the shops and i'm going to be there for a couple of hours so they're the sort of things that i think really need to take some consideration now when whenever you're scripting for a for a manual chair um you know am i going to have a power add on in the future and i'm getting i'm getting a bit of that at the moment where i'll get mm -hmm. some therapists come to me and say hey look we're looking at down the track of doing this um you know we want to put a front power add on okay we're going to put a front power add on don't go to a single tube frame go to a dual tube rigid frame if you want to go down the rigid thing because that's going to take a lot more than what a single tube would even mm -hmm. though there's no contraindications to say you can't you know mm -hmm. these need to know double double, fr double frame though adds more weight to to lifting it well, into the into the car well, is that right theoretically it shouldn't do shouldn't oh, okay. do it's, right. normally, it's normally a few grams but no okay. because when you go to a double frame it's thinner tubing yeah. and a smaller tubing yeah. it's okay. just the it's just the actual how the chair, um, the the actual strength and where the strength is in the chair is mm -hmm. just different because with a single tube frame, of course, people like the single tube frame because they love that little bit of flex in it, you mm -hmm. know. But then personally, and this is only my personal experience, I find that probably when you start putting front wheel drives on there, and it could be even a front wheel or a free wheel, which is non-powered, is I feel that sometimes I, I think that they're putting too much flex on the frame. So that's okay. where I'm going back to a rigid frame. But the weight side of things, you're looking at grams, if that makes sense, between okay. a, a dual to a, to a single, because they adapt the tubing to fit so that it try and still, at, at the end of the day, their biggest aim in manufacturing of these chairs is to keep the weight down as much as possible. Uh, that's why we've got the experts on. It's good to know. Um, the other question that we don't want to skip by is what do we need to consider for a manual chair if we want to use a van and push through into the driving position? What do we need to consider in regards to manual chairs for that kind of consideration? Now, uh, power wheelchairs are, are crash tested in regards to headrests. And yep. also they've got the tie downs that are, are crash tested as well. Manual wheelchairs don't come with those sort of things. You use a dock though. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, let's talk through all of those type of options. So yeah. So I think with the, the biggest thing people need to know is that not all models of chairs can be have um the um the, the tie down hooks on them. Mm -hmm. so, so they go through that proper crash testing. So um, they're all ISO tested and, and all that sort of thing. But um, they, as far as like crash standards, only certain models within our range of chairs, within both our tie lights and a Progeo range, have the tie down hooks, if that makes mm -hmm. sense, to, to, to do that. The thing is, is that when we drive, um, generally speaking, we're not using the tie down hooks because yeah. we're sitting in the chair so and no one else is there. So generally it would be something that you would be able to integrate into like a dial dock or a Q strength dock or any kind of dock basically. Um, yeah. Which they so would, we're we're putting see, a like, pin. They put like a metal frame underneath. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know if there's anything you've done around that. No, I haven't. As I'll be honest, I haven't done much of manual within driving. You know, generally a lot of the the driving we've had is 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 direct power. Yeah. Um, you know, as people going through, it's and, pretty rare from what I've seen as well. Yeah, there, there's actually more out there than what than what people might consider. There, we've we've definitely done 
Oh, I, I can't put a number on it. We've definitely got a few drivers here in South Australia with driving from their manual chairs. Um, <laughs> but the big things that we have to consider, and I can help talk through this, is a turn in backrest because quite often the backrest is uh, a cloth backrest. Yes. Um, which has got a lot of flexibility in it. And yep. also um, what we're doing is putting in a firm backrest behind them. So when yep. if ever involved in an accident, uh, that, that backrest turns in behind the chair to give them that support, uh, but also gives them a, a headrest. Uh, no, it's not a headrest. It's a head restraint. We don't rest on it. It's a head restraint uh, yep. in case you're ever involved in an accident that way. The other things to consider is, is that, you might choose a light frame, but that light frame really needs to be a rigid frame, but it yeah. also needs to be able to be something that can stand up in an in an accident um, and, and should be crash tested. And like Ali said, we're quite often adding to that chair. So you lose a lot of that light weight aspects because we've got to put extra frames on it to right. be able to put a docking pin on the bottom. And then that docking pin is always there all of the time. Now, um, when it comes to pins, there's a whole lot of different shapes. You can get arrow shaped ones, which is the dial system where it goes into a slot. Uh, so it's a bit bigger. Uh, and then you've got a single pin or a three pin type of option underneath your wheelchair, which, you know, there is the potential of that getting caught on things especially if you've got one wheel down in a gutter and another wheel up on top of the ridge then you're going to to scrape that if you've got one wheel higher than the other um we try to center those pins in between your rear wheels so so that when you go over a bump it misses most things uh, but there is the occasions where where the ground's raised uh in the middle that they do get caught on things and you and you bottom out so these are all really strong things to consider and uh, it takes talking to a, a team of experts, whether it's your OT, your modifier and wheelchair specialist to, to come together to, to figure out whether that's the best fit for you. I think Definitely. also, I think also what um, I just want to highlight what Sean mentioned is important. Um, so the chair has to be crash tested. Um, so if it's sitting in the front, seat even if you put a dock it still has to have those transport points because if it's got those transport points it means it's a crash tested seat so so whilst you're not using those generally you're not using those tie down points um in and you may be modifying the seat to uh, accept a dock um the seat that can accept a dock is one that is an automotive crash tested seat um, and yeah. the automotive crash tested seat generally has either on the frame it's got like these symbols where you can you know like it looks like a hook around the frame where you can wrap something around the frame um or you can you know put a dock uh, platform on um or it's just got some kind of hook it, it doesn't look anywhere near like a electric chair but um because they just don't have the weight uh but yeah it still needs to be a crash tested automotive approved um chair not just any kind of you know like one that you put around mm. hospital hallway sort of thing so. yeah you don't want that frame collapsing underneath you if you're <laughs> ever taking on any forces through a crash so that that chair needs to be it's replacing your car seat it needs to be able to be have some rigidity to it so in the forces of an accident it's not going to skewer you and come apart and uh and cause you to be in more more danger than than uh what's already happening in a car accident no that's right and and on that i guess the other thing that we're we're slowly getting more and more in is is actually the backrest 
So like the fixed backrests that are that are that are able to be put onto manual chairs now. Mm-hmm. Uh, of them you got to look at them as well making sure that they've been crash tested as well um you know there's there's some aluminium ones out there carbon fiber um but uh yeah a lot of the you know just making sure that whoever you do you you know whatever product did you use um that they've also uh for that uh reason have, have also been crash tested as well yeah and- look you, you made a really good point there and i and we're running out of time real quick question between rigid frames uh on your backrest versus fold for the folding chairs these are um the rigid versus um cloth can we just talk through are that they're able to be taken off and are they difficult to take off the rigid backrest no i think i think a lot of the uh, r&d funny enough is actually spent in the actual the the, the release mounts for these um for these actual backrests so they're coming a lot more common i feel because mm. they are easy um you know some of them have got like a little blue little tabs and you just flick flick and then they'll just pull straight up um quite nice and easy um so yeah they're they've sort of like over the years have really sort of like come to a way now which they'll go in and they'll only go in a certain way so you can't have them in the wrong way that type of thing so yeah um the, the we use um yeah we've got comfort company we've got dreamline um and also even the old roho um the, uh, have got like a, a slide in mechanism as well but uh but our two our two big ones which is comfort company and our dreamline ones they have some nice uh solid backrests which uh, which clip in quite nicely and we haven't um, even got to cushions but i'm sure we can talk about cushions another day <laughs> for being able to load across bodies but we we've yeah. run out of time like we do in every single interview that we do or we can talk to you forever and uh if you're up for it we might get you back on at some stage yeah. no problem it was great but as, as we wind up um we just want to do another shout out to our sponsors uh, and quickly acknowledge them for the the um, effort that they put behind us to make this podcast possible mobility engineering and williams ot before we say goodbye to you sean we ask everybody that comes on to give us a driving story because we know that cars are more than getting from a to b What's something that's meaningful or special that you've done in a car or a special trip or an adventure or something stupid if you're ready to put your name up to it um, <laughs> that you've done in a car that nobody else knows about? Oh, God. Um, I, I saw the question. I thought, wow, what I, haven't I done? Um, <laughs> okay. Because, you know, um, as I, you know, when I was younger, I did a lot of uh, off-road racing and and sort of thing. So, you know, I've, I've done a lot of things in cars, but uh, I actually just enjoy this, the nice drive, I think, you know, just a nice drive through the hills, that sort of thing. I just think is, is you know, uh, being in Adelaide, you know, we've got the Barossa Valley and we've got some nice wineries and, and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, just to even just get out and about on a nice day um, is, is quite... Uh, is, is quite a nice thing to do so yeah Beautiful. all right huge thank you to you sean if people wanted to uh get in contact uh with you or permobil what's the best way that they could do it how could they get more information so if they want to um they can um sing out they can give me a, a call uh on my on my mobile if they like yeah uh, we can um, share that in the show notes if you'd like so people can can get that there um, or just reach out to us but is there uh, where, what's the best website to go to for permobil um yeah, so if you just go www.permobil.com 
um, and that will give you a bit of a um, some of our new products coming out, and and it'll give you a bit of a and there's an inquiry form there. So if you're as I said, especially if you're interstate, you can uh, just fill out that inquiry form, and uh, that will then get sent to the um, to the the rep that uh, we had to uh, speak to you about uh, anything you need. Fantastic. All right. That was a, a lot of information in there. What uh, Ali and I do, if you're not used to this podcast, is Ali and I do our top three takeaways after this short, short break. But what we're going to do is say goodbye to Sean. Sean, we really appreciate your time and energy today and your expert knowledge. It's been uh, fantastic. I've actually learned uh, more than what I thought I would in this uh, interview as well. So, mate, uh, thank you very much for your time and effort. No worries. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you.